0: All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, nicks? What's happening? My name is Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. I've been doing it a long time now. A long time. Twice a week, every week, a new show since 2009, people. A new conversation every Monday and every Thursday. A new one. Always. Since 2009. Isn't that crazy? Through all the bad things, all the good things, all the peaks, valleys, plagues, deaths, we do it. We do the work here. We don't stop. If you're not familiar with the show or you're new to the show, welcome to the show. I talk for a while, then I talk to people. That's the deal. How's everybody doing? How are you? How's, how's everything? You all right? Are you, wait, Nothing's all right. I know that. I know nothing's all right. But some things are better, it seems, or almost better. I don't know. This fucking pig president is on his way out, which makes me happy. And if you find that disrespectful, I'll only respect the office as much as the president in office respects the office. And for any of you fascist clowns out there who decide to listen to me for whatever reason and justify your support of the pig, well... Clearly, and I mean this objectively, there's something fucking wrong with you. Is that, is that too harsh? Look, man, we're all just people. Some people are scared. Some people are sad. Some people are, are you know angry inside. And it seems like the people that are most against the idea that they're being fucked with are the most vulnerable to be fucked with because their triggers are so goddamn easy. When you're full of sadness and you're full of fucking anger and you're not processing any of your grief or your feelings of uh, trauma, abandonment, bitterness, you got the easiest trigger in the world. You got a wide open door into your heart and mind. All you got to do is fucking stoke those fucking coals of contempt, and there you go. The doors just open up, and anybody can fill your head with whatever kind of garbage they want, and just throw it on your fucking already burning fire. That's a that's across the board shit. Did I mention? I didn't. Uh, we have a pretty amazing show today, Bootsy Collins. Yeah, I got pitched this. You know, you want to interview Bootsy Collins? fuck yeah, I do. Is he going to wear his star glasses and his top hat while I interview him on Zoom? The answer to that question is, yes, he is. He most certainly is going to wear his top hat and star sunglasses while you interview him on Zoom. But the big topper is he's going to have outer space as his background. Yeah, yeah, that's... That's what happens when you interview Bootsy Collins on Zoom. I will say this: he did his earpods or earbuds or whatever the fuck they are—those Apple things—they they kept falling out of his head. So, so it gets a little—it's a little tricky. But uh, what a great conversation! If you don't know who Bootsy is, he is a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member. He played in James Brown's band, the Pacemakers, back in the day. He is and was. A uh, member of Parliament, Funkadelic. He has lots of his own solo stuff. He's basically the definition of funk. His new album is called "The Power of the One." What a thrill it was to talk to Bootsy Collins. Oh, my decision to work. I know. I know it's peak COVID. I know it's fucking insane. I took the gig and I'm doing it. And for some reason, with all everything hanging in the balance, you know, I get tested every other day, and we're doing the work. It's like I'm having the one of the best acting experiences of my life. I don't know if it's going to be the last one. I don't know why. But, uh, you know, I've decided to do something and I'm doing it because I had the opportunity to do it safely, as safe as possible. We'll see. Maybe I'll get through it without getting COVID. Maybe Maybe the production will go all the way through without having to shut down because of COVID. Happy to be working. Happy to be talking to you now. Look, I know there's a lot of people in trouble right now. I know there's a lot of people that can't work. I know there's a lot of people who are sick, who have lost people. I've known people who are sick. I don't believe that I've lost anybody personally to COVID, but I know my aunt and uncle just got through it. My cousins, kids had it. I know people around here that have gotten it. I know it's horrible. I know it's not anywhere near good. I know there's a vaccine and now it's just sort of like, man, if I get this and kick it because I'm stupid before I get that vaccine, then that'll be a true fucking tragedy. A lot of true tragedies around. But nonetheless, I chose to take the gig, but I knew in my mind that, you know, if I'm going to be an actor or if I'm going to try to do it, I don't claim to be a great actor. I'm learning how to do it. You hear me learn how to do it on this show but I knew how to challenge myself and I knew I had to do something different. I got offered this gig to play a guy who is definitely not me, who is definitely written as a Texan and who is a different personality than me altogether. I didn't want to do it because I was like, this is crazy. I don't need to be on a set. It's COVID. I don't need it. But then I was convinced and I've gone through this before that I could, that, you know, it would be okay to do it. That, that set's probably going to be safer than the supermarket. True. I believe that's true. But then there's the other element. Like, I buckled the week before I was supposed to do this work. I was like, you know, God, I hope it gets shut down. I hope they don't do it. I hope the lockdowns will stop. I was afraid to do the accent. I was afraid to rise to the challenge. But I knew in my heart, before I took this gig, that if I'm going to be an actor, I I have to take the risk of failing with a character who isn't like me. That was set in place. I didn't know if I was going to do it, but usually when I set it in place in my heart and mind, this isn't any sort of notebook shit. It's not like manifesting magic. It's just like I knew in my mind in my heart that that's what I got to do to move forward creatively in this particular mode, in this particular craft, if I'm going to grow. And that goes with anything, man. Pow! I shit my pants, just coffee.co-op. I'm back. I'm back. So anyway, all that being said, it's been rewarding. And, you know, I've been more aware of doing the work. We did a scene a couple of days ago, me and uh, Andrea Riceborough, who is a genius actress, where, you know, it was a touching scene. Uh, it was really not a sad scene, but it was, you know, an open hearted scene. And both of our characters are 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 slightly sad, a, a little bit uh, heavy-hearted characters. But this is a hopeful, beautiful moment between us, and we had to play it, and it was just really kind of stunning to to try to stay in the work, to try to put something in place that I could count on, take after take, to get to the emotional place necessary for this scene to happen. And I tell you, ma'am, we did it, and you know the last take. You know, I started, you know, choking up, and you know, the director said, "Cut." Are, are do you feel satisfied? Can we check the gate? And I'm like, "Yeah." and I'm crying. And I kind of can't. kind of can't stop crying. And she's crying a little bit. He's like, "Are you all right?" I'm like, "I'm. I am all right." And you know, we're all all right. We're acting here. And we sat out there in the dust of this field where we'd set up this set to do this bit. And her, both of us are sitting there in our chairs and our masks with teared-up eyes, and it was, like, so satisfying to connect like that. And, you know, I just had to... It was just interesting to be part of it and to, to keep that fucking feeling going throughout all these takes, and then, you know, what I kept having to do to connect with her, her character, my character connecting with her character. Like, by the last take, I literally was... We had to enter a room, and I had to get... She didn't even see me do this. I was, like, very close to her, just so I could look at her face up close and see her face and see her hair... And and know that like that, you know, that is tangible. That is a human face, hair. We're in this together. And, had, and then I put in a place in my heart how I felt about that character, how my character felt about that character. And then you go into this and you arrive in the present if you're lucky. But I had to almost like smell her fucking hair to get in it. Now, I don't know what technique that is. And I don't know, you know, what I'm using. I've talked to a lot of people. There's a lot of ways to go. I don't know how it looks, but I do know this. That after we shot that scene and we got through it and the director said to me, it's like, this character so interesting. There's, it's just like, there's so, it's almost like no ego to this guy. And I'm like, wow. Well, that uh, that is definitely not me. <laughs> it's just been... Uh, an ex- interesting experience, and I just want to share it with you. I, I know that a lot of you, you can't work, and you're frustrated, and you're sick, and you're broke, and you're this. Uh, this time is is horrendous. It's horrendous for everybody. But I'm just sharing what I'm doing. Maybe at least you can get lost in that process. I decided to take the risk, and I continue to do it. And uh, I'm just, I'm trying to live a life in the midst of all this, in the midst of terrible fear, in the midst of terrible reality in the midst of a lot of things raining down on us that are horrible, I'm not going to let this part of my life suck if possible. Did I mention I roasted a chicken? So here's the deal with that. I've done it a lot of ways and I've never been happy uh, really, because I always think it comes out too tough or too dry, and I think I'm overcooking it. But I've tried it on a slow heat. I've tried it on a higher heat. I've I've got the temperature right. But I think it really matters if, is if you can get a fucking fresh chicken. I think some of these chickens you get, like, at Whole Foods that are already packaged in the refrigerator, they might have been frozen before. I don't know. But I just got, like, a fresh one. And all I did, I, I poked around at some recipes. Here's exactly what I did f- from a couple of recipes that I gleaned. I put the I put the oven on 475, all right, and uh, and then I, I salt and peppered a chicken thoroughly inside and out, and then I let that chicken set in the fridge, salted and peppered for like 45 minutes, and then uh, while that was happening and the oven was heating up, I stuck a large cast iron skillet into the oven to get it heated up to 475, and then I took the bird out of the fridge. And I pulled the skillet out of the oven and I threw the bird in there. And, it, the you know, the, bow, the breast side up, is it? Yeah. But before I put it in the pan, I stuck a wad of rosemary, fresh rosemary in there. I just put it in the pan, sizzle, sizzle, stuck it in the oven for like an hour, you know, until it, you know, the juices run clear, you stick a thermometer in 165 to 170. I took it out. It was fucking perfect. If because if you cook it high, I thought that that automatically makes it tougher, dried out. No, it makes that fucking skin nice and crispy. So I don't know if I can repeat it. I've been trying to repeat these recipes. I'm working on to make sure that I, uh, you know, that it's not a one off. But it fucking came out beautiful. And tonight, tonight I'm gonna I'm gonna dredge some sand dabs and cornmeal and fucking cook them. Yeah, that's right. I'll be dredging sand dabs. What are you up to? All right, Bootsy Collins, you guys. This is serious. As I said before, he was having some audio issues during this talk. He couldn't get the earbuds to stay in his head. Those little ones, those Bluetooth earbuds or whatever the fuck they are. Earplugs, what do they call them? So the quality goes up and down a bit here, but it's still a solid connection and a good talk and uh, it's fucking Bootsy Collins, and if you want to picture it, he's wearing his fucking star-shaped sunglasses and his top hat, and he's talking to me, trying to keep his his earbuds in. And behind him is uh, outer space. This is me and Bootsy Collins. <laughs> Mark? Yes. Hey, what's, what's up? How you doing, buddy? Everything's good, you know. Bootsy Collins, how's uh, you know, where where are you at? Where am I talking to you from?
1: I, I, I'm in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio.
0: That's your hometown.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And um, you know, what can I say? We're on lockdown. Yeah. And uh, you know, hey, uh, nothing never changed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah,
0: when you're in lockdown now do you like do you find yourself playing i mean you got a lot of time over there
1: oh yeah oh yeah well actually that's the that's the main thing that pretty much keeps us sane around here is is the music you know we got a um you know we got a studio here and then we got one across the way you know we we, we try to stay cr- very creative because this is definitely a good time to to be creative uh you know because yeah that's, that's really that's really all you got to focus on is uh trying to keep it together and uh, be creative. you know.
0: I, yeah. So, and I think that being creative and putting out the stuff, it, it, it does definitely help you keep it together and not think about how, uh, how seemingly yes. terrible everything is all the time.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, that's what this, this album really is all about, you know, just, you know, trying to put some, um, some at ease in the uh, uneasiness of what's going on. You know, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty deep. Nobody, nobody expected it, you know, um, and it hit everybody at once. So it's like,
0: yeah, no one's getting out from under this. We're all on the same page.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're all
0: equally fucked in this plague time.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know, it, it's like, um, I don't know, you know, it, it I, I guess it's probably good for us in a way, in mm. a, in a, in a crazy way. But you know, um, I don't know, you know, they stopped they took all our gigs. I mean, you know, it's like Yeah, okay, you know, nobody go to work. I mean, you know, the especially the musicians. I mean everybody is in the same pot. But
0: were I, you gonna tour on the record? Well, we we was gonna try to,
1: you know, put some things together, but you know, when that kinda happened it starts snatching everything, all the even the uh the great ideas, uh start snatching all of that because you know, it was like you know, we can't even focus on that no more.
0: So when you do a, when you do a record like this, I was listening. It's weird because yesterday, I, here's what I did. Yesterday, I listened to uh, "Food for Thought." I've got I got the JB's "Food for Thought." Oh wow! And then oh, I listened to uh, "The Power of uh, the One" uh, yesterday yeah. and today. So now I got the beginning and the end here, right? Yeah. I got I, 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 the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that is so true. I heard, I I listened to you with the JBs, you know, at the beginning of whatever you were becoming, and then, you know, I listened to The Power of the One, and you've got, the people that you work with, to me, the interesting thing about the bass is that i imagine when you started you know the bass you know you're a support instrument and then at some point yeah at some point you evolved into the instrument (laughs) and then yeah but you you still like you know because you define something you get people who who you've influenced who who owe you a, a great deal of creative debt but also people who like to play with you i mean on the new record the power of the one i mean i didn't even i didn't even know george benson was still around yeah
1: yeah um you know, we we kind of uh, kind of keep in touch. You know, like by phone or or however uh-huh. we can. You know, um, but yeah, man, it was like it was like he, he was somebody that I always wanted to do a record with, huh. and you know, and never got around to it. You know, it's just because I got stuck on funk. You know, uh, starting out in funk. Once I once once I got with James Brown, it was kind of like. Solidified that that's what I do. That's all I do. <laughs> you know that's that's all the the music I like. You know it's like you get, right. you, get you get like uh, pinpointed in whatever
0: you're doing. That's what you are, you know. Which uh, you know th- th- that's cool. Well, it's not like, uh, but you you definitely leaned into it. It's, it's not like you yeah. were fighting it at all. Uh,
1: exactly. <laughs> no, I was loving every moment. I was loving every moment of it. But, you know, I kind of grew up around a whole lot of different, you know, uh, genres of music, and I was loving a lot of different genres.
0: Well, when you were a kid, because that's really my question, because I don't, I know a little bit about some music and not so much about other music, but there seems to be a point where, you know, funk was invented, and, and yeah. you seem to be yeah. close to the source of that, because, like, you know, I don't know where that jump from R&B to soul to funk happens but the, there is definitely a groove shift that yes, occurs
1: yeah 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 i totally agree
0: now when you were growing up what were you growing up around in in cincinnati over there
1: oh man uh well i tell you the in the guitar influence that i that um i really looked up to was lonnie mac oh
0: yeah you know uh
1: yeah him and and my brother because my brother was like you know playing a lot of the lonnie mac stuff yeah you know? and and if you remember, uh, well, you may, you may not have been around that, that, in that time, but um, Lonnie Mack and a lot of other guitarists would, was like doing a lot of instrumentals, uh, mm-hmm. West Montgomery, you know. I mean, these Cats was like, you know. Freddie like, King. Yeah, the top of their game, you know. Mm. Uh, speaking of Freddie King, he was, you know, he recorded here in, in Cincinnati. No kidding. You know? uh, yeah, and so I got a chance to meet him over at uh, King Records. And k- speaking of King Records, you know, that was a, like a whole meltdown of all kind of genres of music. Oh, that's right. Know? So
0: King King Records was in Cincinnati? Yeah, and that's where oh, I got started. Man. That's,
1: that's how I got hooked up with James Brown, you know? Yeah,
0: because all those first, like Cold Sweat, that's on King Records. All those early James yeah. Brown records on yeah. King Records. Who ran yeah. that place?
1: Uh, Sid Nathan. He owned, owned and operated and, and had... Everything under one roof. That's the thing that really, really got me. Who
0: were some of those other artists? So you were a kid. When did you start playing?
1: I started when I was like eight, nine years old, uh, and and I was I was messing around with it because my brother played, you know, guitar, and he was like eight years older than I, so he was a teenager, you know, and so he was deep in it. Oh, he was deep in it, and he Mm. and, and you know, big brothers. Uh, You know how they treat the younger, you know, younger kids. So I was always not allowed. I was always rejected.
0: Annoying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and his responsibility, Uh you know, because mama didn't play that. Mama didn't play that. You know, do not mess with her baby, (laughs) you know, so, so it was like, I was caught in a, in a web, like I'm always wanting to please my brother, but I know he don't like me to be around. I know he don't want me to touch his guitar, but I got to. I just got to, you know. Yeah. So, so when he's off doing his paper route, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't get his guitar out of the closet, and I'm just wearing it out. I'm listening to Lonnie Mack, and I'm just wearing the guitar, learning note for note, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 you know, anything I could hear or um, uh, see, I couldn't see too much of anything around that time because I was too young. I couldn't right. get in clubs, you know. Uh, sure. And and so you know it was a different time than now. Now you know you got you got music everywhere, you know. But but then you had to have your own radio, either yeah. your own, uh, photograph layer. And, and transistor radio hadn't even came in yet.
0: Damn. So was your brother playing in a band in high school?
1: Uh, not a band in high school. He he had a band um, of of cats he just put together. You know, because. Mm. Everybody was, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people were just corner musicians, you know, like out on the corner, playing on the corner, you know. And and that's the that's the style that I picked up very early because I didn't like hanging around with kids my age because to me, it just wasn't really about nothing. What was about something was those jazz players, you know, Wilbur Longmire, uh, Wes Montgomery, all these cats that hung around. And, and played in these clubs, I wanted to be around these cats and my brother had to had the passcode to get in. you know everybody mm. loved him because he was supposedly the uh, one of the great guitarists out of Cincinnati Ohio. and sure. so I got a, a lot of people that uh, that gave me a, you know like a pass card not only because I was a young kid trying to learn how to play but because I right. was his brother.
0: Well, that's interesting because I never really thought about that until just now that that the sort of like the through line of what became funk was really more jazz based than blues based, wasn't it?
1: it, it I, I was I would think so. And I would I would say uh, it was it was kind of like a combination um, yeah. of those elements, because that's what I was kind of absorbing at that young age, even without even knowing it. You know? but you're
0: not. But it's not like the because like if you were in Chicago, you'd be taking in Wolf and Muddy and all those exactly. cats. And that's a whole different thing.
1: But but I love listening to Wolf. I mean, yeah, you know, of course. Of course. I got hip to all of this because of my brother.
0: Right. Um, right.
1: And because he was like eight years older. He knew you need all that guy.
0: Stuff. Yeah. see, You had the records. You had the records around the house.
1: Yeah. And we finally got something to play them on. You know, so it was it was (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was always at the mercy of somebody else playing a record for me. Yeah, like the people down the street, right around the corner, listening in the hallway.
0: Yeah, 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 I was
1: always at the mercy. You know, (laughs) so that that's a part of being funky. You know,
0: right, right. When you're always
1: at the mercy of somebody else allowing you to hear something
0: down the hall across the street upstairs (laughs) sticking your head out the window it sounds kind of sounds kind you know someone asked tom waits once years ago i read in an interview someone asked tom waits what his favorite music was and he said an am radio across the street
1: across the street hey hey man that's so true that is so true and that's that's the way you know i was learning stuff you know, so when did just, you pick
0: up a bass? How did you? How are you on guitar now? Did you decide you didn't want to well, play guitar?
1: No. What happened was I wanted to play in the band with my brother, mm. and he was my whole inspiration. We didn't Phelps, have a father. Phelps anymore. Collins, Catfish Phelps, Collins, Phelps, Phelps Catfish Collins. He yeah. was my whole inspiration. Um, you know, it, it was my mother, my sister, and my brother. That's what was in the household. You right. know, um, and so and I was the baby. You know, I'm the baby boy. Yeah. So you know, so mama, you know, mama wasn't going for it when when big brother was like, you know, wearing me out, you know, right, like right, when, right, when he caught me with his guitar, you yeah. know, mama had to stand in the middle so that I wouldn't get crucified, you know. So
0: she had to train train your brother to treat you nicely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but did you eventually become pretty close?
1: Uh, well, after, the, after he learned, <laughs> yeah. he, you know, he had to learn that I was serious because, you mm. know, both of us was jokers, you know, first of all. And then um, and then, you know, I would say I want to do this and I want to do that. I want to be an artist. I want to draw. I want to, you know, and and I, and those are the things that I did do uh, even before I started playing um music or practicing you yeah. know was i was drawing and things would come to me in, the, in my head i would want to paint them and put them down so i was so interested in art
0: did you do you any know? of the cover art on any of the records
1: uh n- not not as far as personally doing it yeah. myself but the, right. the ideas yeah, the different yeah. ideas I was, I was full of ideas yeah, i mean yeah. you know that was that was going everywhere so to get to get down with the the guitar thing, what happened was uh, my brother needed a bass player. Yeah. And one night, you know, one night it was like, um, you know, I'm, my bass player can't make it. I can't find another to, to sit in. Uh, do you want to play bass? You know? And it, it was like, do I want to play bass? You know? So that was like <laughs> the best question in the world. The only thing that that was worrying me was I didn't have a bass. Right. So, I, I, then I had to go real funky on him. I had to say, "Well, if you could get me four bass strings, I will be your bass player tonight." And sure enough, he got me four bass strings and that silver tone guitar, that twenty-nine dollar guitar. Yeah, I put four bass strings on it. Yeah, and I had to unwind, unwind the you know the the strings at the top where you put the the string in the hole at the tuning peg. Yeah, I unwound that put them all on there and tuned it up and i said let's go and my brother couldn't believe it he couldn't believe it he said okay he said you you sure you know and i had never played bass before
0: but it already sounded funky then you didn't even have to do nothing just by coincidence you you, you're (laughs) playing those that bass through it's probably getting picked up on two of the two of the string pickups right so there's only four because a big fat string what it is what it sound like (laughs)
1: It sounded great. I mean, nobody, nobody, I'm serious. Nobody believed the sound I was getting out of that. And I wasn't even trying to get a sound out of it. I just wanted to play with my brother.
0: It was convenient. You had to adapt. Yes, yes,
1: yes, And then what was really so stupid was once I, once I played with my brother and he started liking it, uh, you know, I was already loving it, but my brother started accepting me you yeah. know like wow how guy, old do you, know, you how are you how old were you then i was i was like 15 14 yeah. or 15 okay and uh and you know i had i had start growing up i had been playing uh guitar in in a church you know in churches with uh different uh friends of mine and and a group called the Christian Heirs. that's Doing where gro- i really oh
0: christian airs so gospel gospel yeah. groove oh yeah. see that's yeah. that's where it comes from too
1: I would say I would say if it, it came from there first. At eleven years old I was playing in in gospel in a in a gospel quartet. Yeah.
0: But you know what I'm trying to figure out. Like at some point, you know, there was only a couple of blues guys that would do, you know, maybe one chord, maybe throw in yeah. that four, and then come back to the one. But don't yeah. do the five at all, right? So right, right. But but with gospel and with church music, that that groove of of moving, you could stay on that one chord you for stay 20, twenty all <laughs> day,
1: all night. You know, I mean, you know, right. When in doubt, when in doubt, vamp. Right. Know? And that's yeah. what that's what it was all about, that groove right there. Right, right.
0: That's it. Okay. So all right, so that's where you got the foundation of the of your uh, guitar playing. But now you're yeah, doing yeah. Now you're playing with your brother and he's and he's playing the Lonnie Mac covers or what?
1: He's playing Lonnie Mac. You know, it was like a top forties thing. You know, all mm. bands, you know, had to play music that uh people uh was listening to, you know, and what was um what was really grooving to, to people. And you, you know, most musicians paid a lot of attention to what people liked. Right. And then they would play that in those, uh, the nightclubs cause there was a lot of nightclubs, and that was the thing was to be in a band, to play in a band at nightclubs and, and anywhere else, you, you know, you could play at.
0: So you were like so 15 that, when you were doing that?
1: Oh yeah. I started <laughs> off definitely. They, 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 thought I was 18, 19, because I was tall
0: and you're playing your 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 silver tone with four bass strings on it
1: four bass strings okay
0: how long did you play that that silver tone with those bass strings uh
1: until I got what uh actually James Brown
0: so wait your brother's band was the pacemakers yeah
1: he he, he started the pacemakers with so that was
0: the band yeah. you were playing in and the clubs doing covers and stuff yep yeah you never did yep. a record yep. the pacemakers never did a record
1: not no. Not, not not that I that rem- not, not that I recall. Well,
0: you would um, know, yeah.
1: Y- yeah, no, no, we never, we never, you know. But but what happened was we started to play in um, Charles Spurling, a an A and R guy, yeah, uh, from King Records, was searching for new and upcoming uh, rhythm sections and musicians. Yeah. So he came by the club and checked us out, and was pretty. He was pretty blown away, and all we were doing we're playing covers you know um, Yeah. and so he wanted he wanted to, but we were tight i mean we were tight we practiced every day i mean so our whole thing was music everything then was around
0: music so this was the this was the late 60s
1: yeah this is like uh 67 um yeah like in 66 67 around in that time
0: so shit was getting pretty crazy, right? Music was getting pretty crazy. Rock music was yeah. getting crazy. You know, yeah. soul music was getting crazy. So James Brown's—he's already kind of shifted out of that that old timey thing into a bigger, a bigger sound and a kind of a more uh, groovy uh, presentation. He, yeah, he's
1: coming. He, he's coming into out of sight. Papa's mm. got a brand new bag. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: when we start hanging around King Records. So
0: the A and R guy says, "Come by."
1: Well, he he wanted us to come by so we could be his band, you know, because he was producing uh so many different oh, artists. Oh, he, Bill he, dogged,
0: he, right. He needed he needed a studio band.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: To so, make the hits. So
1: so we come over there and start doing things with him and people start hearing about us. And and James started hearing about us too. And so he wanted to test us out and we had no idea what was going on with James Brown production, but he wanted us to go out on the road with uh Hank Ballard. And so that was our first and real test was, you know, it, it that was like going out for the first time with Funkadelic. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean going out with Hank Ballard, you would think it was pretty sane. You know, yeah. that should yeah. be pretty cool. You know, it's yeah. harmless, you know, right. he's just gonna sing, you know. Yeah. But the antics you know, behind the scene was so deep, you know, like I, like I say, it was like going out with the first time with Funkadelic. Every time you're out with Hank, you're out with Funkadelic and you don't know exactly what's going to happen. That the day of the show, the night of the show, the night after, I mean, it was just amazing. Like what, like what, like,
0: wait, like what, like what would happen?
1: Well, okay. Say for instance, we on the way to the gig, you know, we're driving, you know, we got and Hank Ballas in the front seat and, you know, you got about four of us in the back and then you have yeah. one other car. Hank on one hand would, uh, if he saw some girls like in the car next to us, this actually happened. Yeah. We, uh, we were going through Lexington, uh, and it was a car pulled up next to us full of girls. Yeah. Hank saw the girls. He jumped out of the car and he didn't even know these girls Yeah. He jumped in their car. And we didn't see him that whole weekend. And it was his show. It was his show.
0: So he didn't show up for the show.
1: He didn't show up for the show. We had, we did we did the show without without Hank Ballard.
0: Uh huh.
1: That was my introduction to the first time on the road with Hank. The uh-huh. rest of them was all downhill from there.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. What were his big hits at that time? What were what were people coming to see?
1: You know, he did the twist, right? You know, that was his really big thing. Then was uh, was the twist.
0: But that's from the fifties.
1: Well, I mean, that's I mean, no, I, I get big. it, but you,
0: but you're going out I with mean, him in the sixties. He's got to be doing some other shit, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was doing others. I, I just yeah. can't remember the songs. Right. You right. know, but it but, was the uh, twist, huh? But the twist was, I think, his biggest his biggest hit. It was a whole different different thing and something. It was so much fun, man. I mean, you know, it was just fun. We were not even looking really to get paid because we was doing this with James Brown.
0: But where was James? I mean, James was, I mean, James, not Hank, right?
1: Hank was under James Brown's production. Okay. And he was a James Brown artist.
0: But James not on the road with you.
1: No, no. Yeah. His, his, this is some, a part of his A team. You know, he doesn't sit out there with us.
0: You I know, get it. to yeah.
1: To really spy on us you know, uh unbeknownst to us because we didn't even know he was thinking of us as his band. Right. You know, uh we never got any signals like that.
0: So so James is he's kind of spying on you, he's testing you guys and you're what are you like eighteen or nineteen now? What are you?
1: I'm I'm like eighteen. Yeah, I'm about eighteen years old there. Yeah. And out with with uh with Marva and Hank. And then by that time James had already figured out, okay, uh I think I can I can handle these boys. I can control them because he thought, you know, by me me being so young, he wasn't gonna be able to control me, right? Um, you know the way he does his band, you right? Know? And I mean he was right. He was right in, in the end. But you know, this is some stuff that he always thinks. He always thinks ahead of the curve, you know. And he was way uh, ahead of us before we even thought, you know, we was gonna be a part of the band. He actually. Sent his plane to come and get us from Cincinnati, Ohio, to the gig in um, uh, Columbus, Georgia. Uh, He sent Bobby Bird on a plane to pick us up from a gig we was doing a fundraiser, you know, and wasn't nobody in there but us and the bartender. So you know, we (laughs) we working off the door, (laughs) we working off the door, (laughs) and then Bobby Bird calls the club you know saying he's on the way to get us cuz we had we had befri- befriended Bobby Bird so he was our buddy him Maceo friend you know those were our boys you know we we met them over at King Records yeah you know and they they were like our, our pals you know so
0: Maceo Macio was—he uh, was James's guy for a long time in the Horn section. So these were yeah. old, these were old time uh, James Brown guys. Yeah. So you didn't know it was going to happen, and he just he, he just summoned you. He
1: summoned he summoned us as the band to come down and play on his show uh, in uh, Augusta. And he needed us to come now, not Augusta, Columbus, Georgia. He needed us to come right now. So once we get there. Bobby Bird uh, takes us through the front door and, you know, unbeknownst to us, people are on riot mode, you know? So they're like upset because James is late, you know, the band hasn't hit and where is the band? So we walking into this, you know, so we, we walk (laughs) in, you know, and you know, we have no idea this is going on. And we hear all this ruckus, we want James, we want, you know, and where is the band? Where is the you know, and we walking in and somebody looks around and say, Hey, there's the band. And you know, we we looking, we looking around too, like who are they talking about? <laughs> and so and so they the security rushes us out because they look like they're gonna mob us yeah. because they really think we're the band. So we go around to the back of the stage and they open the door and let us in and then uh, Bobby said, well, I'm going to take you back. to y- Y'all got to see James Brown. So he takes us back there, you know, and then we go in and um, he says, son, I'm glad y'all here, you know, but before but before I jumped ahead a little bit, before I got to that part, we walked in and at least we saw the faces of Maceo and Fred right. and Kush. We saw their faces and they were not happy faces. Uh-huh. You know, so we were looking at each other like what in the hell is going yeah. on yeah. and by the time we got back to James you know it was like he was laughing and smiling and grooving like you know like you know glad to see y'all and you know um, I want y'all to pl- you know play play with me tonight and we kind of looked at each other and it was like okay we ain't rehearsed you know uh, yeah. what are you talking about I mean you know it's like yeah well I'm gonna get on stage and I'm just gonna call the songs out and y'all, you know, I already know y'all know the songs, and we was like, yeah, yeah, we we know all the songs. He, well, just, just hit the hit, hit me on the one, hit me on the one when I, when I throw my hand down like this, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, you know. Hit me. And we said, okay, all right, let's do it. So he he actually he, he called us out on stage, you know. Yeah. He said, cold sweat, <clears throat> you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we went through that whole show with him calling out songs and we playing it the way we, we heard it on the record, you yeah. know? And um, that's the way everything started out, you know, but we was like shocked because our band, our heroes were like getting fired and we had no idea. We, we flying down there, like kind of in a, in a state of shock, like, what does James really want?
0: Oh, us? so so you didn't know that, like, what he was doing in front of the band he was about to cut loose was auditioning. Yeah. He didn't
1: want us to know. He didn't want us to know. Because
0: he thought you guys would have been loyal to Maceo and those guys.
1: We, we would have. You know, at the time, you know, it was like they were considered friends, you know, because yeah. they were our heroes, first of all. And then we looked up to them. We wanted to be as tight as they were. You know, um, and so you know, any chance we could get to get around them, when we went over to Kings, we got around them. You know, they'd be in the studio doing that thing, and then when they come out, you know, we take them to the restaurant or take them up the street to the store, get some wine. You know, that kind of thing. So, so when James did that, he knew what he was doing. We just didn't know.
0: And then, and then, and then, what happened? Those guys, they go home.
1: Yeah, they finally went home. You know, or or something. I never really knew what happened, you know. Like after that, because once James got us back in the room and started convincing us that we was gonna do the show, you know, it was like everything else. We kind of forgot about everything else, yeah. You know? And James knew; he knew what he was doing, you know. Yeah. Um, and he said he was gonna introduce us as the band, his his new band. And I mean, you know, he said all the right things. Yeah. And um, once we got out there, and he started calling us out. Bleh. Yeah, yeah. yeah bitch,
0: you know, yeah. oh, it's great. Doing
1: those things it was like shit. We forgot everything.
0: So when James, when you're when you're sitting there talking to James, I mean, he's charismatic. You know, it's James Brown, and you're like, yeah. we're and now, and he's yeah. saying your name. You're like, holy shit! Now we're the guys, right? Yeah, yeah. How long did you play with him?
1: Uh, I'd say about a year and a half.
0: You uh-huh. Know,
1: about a year and a half, because because uh that was about all we could take. Because you know, he he was so. uh into controlling every factor of, you know, the, the shoe shines, you know, why come your Afro ain't combed? You oh, know, really? Your teeth, your teeth. Yeah. That whole thing, you know, and, you know, the, the old band, you know, that they, they went for all of that because, you know, I think they had responsibilities. We weren't responsible for nothing but the music, you know, we had no responsibilities other than the music to play good music. Right. And, and so, Um, all of that other stuff you, you fine for this, you fine for that. And none of it worked
0: because it's like, you're a different generation. So those old guys were the original guys. So they were all like, uh, Stockholm, it was all, they were all gas with Stockholm syndrome. They were afraid. Yeah. It's
1: like, yes, men, Yes, men, Like yes. sir. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Right. And
1: and so, you know, we, we were coming up and he pulled us right off the streets of the riots, you know? So, you Muhammad Ali was talking loud, you know, and yeah. talking back. And so that's the era that I grew up in, you know, and, um, and, you know, James wasn't, you know, he wasn't budging. Right. And, and which was cool. And, and, you know, at a young age, I understood it, but at the same time it was like, you know, bands were coming up front. Bands right. wanted to be, you know, like the singers and playing and all of that.
0: Well, you know, the, the, the JB's record I have, the one, the Food for Thought, he's not on that record. It's just you guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's, it. you know, that's true. You know, that's true, and that's what he called himself bending. He bent a little for that kind of, you know, he sacrificed.
0: Oh, so he said, you guys can do your thing, but, I, you know, you're, you're my guys.
1: And if you notice, when did that come out? That didn't come out.
0: 68, maybe? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, so it was like, you know, he was trying, he he was trying in his James Brown way to appease the band. Right. You know, it just, you know, people were just growing out of that style.
0: Right. So what did you, well, that, right. And then it's sort of interesting because, you know, that's a. You know, he was a tight band leader style and you guys were going to play James Brown songs and there wasn't much room for for necessarily personal expression. And then when you move into somebody like like George Clinton, he's like, go for it, man.
1: Yeah. Well, even before we got there, even before we got there. Yeah. It was like, here I am on the back of James Brown bus playing Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And James ain't going for that. You know, right, it's like, right. what are you doing on my bus playing? <laughs> you know, that ain't gonna work. Yeah. You know, and so and so when when the snitches start telling, you know, then jack James will pop on the bus. It's like, who do you think you are on the on the back of my bus playing some Jim Henry's? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, and and he was furious. I mean, he was furious. You know, but none of that stuff really scared us. You know, it was just it was funny.
0: Yeah, like what's wrong with the old man? Look at him getting all worked up, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, and he was really worked up. You know, and and once he starts seeing that none of that stuff really affected us, because you know, getting paid, we never we never got paid for pretty much nothing. Really, any of the gigs we were doing before James we never got paid so what he offered us was so great but at the same time you know it was like you didn't really even have to pay us we do this for nothing you know
0: (laughs) and and what did you like in terms of like you know what you eventually were becoming as a player what did you learn from working with him musically the one The, the one
1: the one yeah i learned the one um because when I, well, you know, I, and, and I missed the main story that I wanted to tell you. Go ahead. About the bass, the silvertone yeah. um, guitar that I turned into a bass. Um, so when when I first, when I first get there, I played it that night. Yeah. matter of fact, the first night that we. Um, In Georgia. James said after the show, he called me, with that? Now, I'm, let me tell you something. Said, I love everything but that damn green bass got to go. He said, I hate that bass. He said, what kind of bass you want, son? I said, "Um, you know, and I always was in love with that Fender Jazz bass. Yeah. And and here's a man, you know, my my superhero asked me, what kind of bass do I want? I'm like, oh, I got to go for it. I got to go for it. So I asked him, I said, how about the Fender Jazz bass? No problem. No problem. We'll have it for you tomorrow. What color you want? I said, sunburst. Oh, no problem. We'll have it tomorrow. You know, but uh, but meanwhile, you send that thing back to the house or somewhere, get rid of it, bury it or something. I don't <laughs> want to see that thing no more. I said, okay, okay Mr. Brown. All right. <laughs> so, so I got rid of that. Um, that bass and uh, start playing. If you see, if you see any footage from back in that day, you'll see me playing that but jazz. jazz man. He got yeah, it James, for you. James got that for yeah, yeah. But but James is deep though. Let me let me just get get ahead of you a little bit. He uh, you know, when when we um uh, got canned, you know, his whole thing was, I, you know, I don't care where you are going, just make sure you leave the bass behind. Like, <laughs> oh. oh. It's like that. It's like that. <laughs> So he was he was a ruthless cat, man, you know. He was ruthless, you know. And I was a youngster, you know, I'm a youngster trying to understand how why this mug is treating us like this, you know. It's like, man, I thought you got me the base, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I did
1: while you was here. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: so gonna, yeah. bad. Did you gotta Did Now go back and find your silver tone, little man. <laughs>
1: no, your silver tone is waiting on you at home. Go get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what is the one?
1: Oh man, the one as James explained it is um, the first count of every measure. One. Let me yeah. count it off for your son. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Jink it, jink it, jink it. One that's the that's that's the one yeah yeah yeah. and he wants you he wants me to um to give him the one and then play any and everything you want to play because i like what you're doing son i love how you're playing it but you ain't giving me the one yeah give me that one and you can play any of that stuff because he knew that he didn't know what to tell me to play because i was playing a whole lot for a bass player and he couldn't. He didn't. He couldn't wrap his head around what I was doing. Yeah. So, you know, his whole thing was: as long as you give me the one, you can play any of that stuff you play.
0: So he can um, go like, "Yeah, gotcha." am yeah. right. And
1: I'm glad I thought of it. Yeah. I'm glad I thought of it. It's like, okay, <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> and he he actually did that in the studio quite a few times, and we all cracked up. We all, I'm glad. I, I'm glad I thought of and he was serious yeah that was the that was the comical thing anything that we would think was a um, was, was funny he thought he was serious I mean he was serious
0: well he, he was, was like serious uh, about it big ego narcissistic guy
1: yeah. oh oh man come on I mean the biggest
0: he invented everything everything you guys did he invented
1: he invented it and is who 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 name on the record <laughs> who, who that on the record <laughs> you ain't on that so you know, so, oh, you know it, it, it was it was all like that and and you know we we had to learn what that was all about because that was something uh we, we hadn't been you know uh introduced to it was a whole new um uh, way of doing things you know you're talking about the boss yeah i mean that was a real ball.
0: But you only you stayed know. with him for a for a year and a half, but and you did you played a lot of dates though, right? So you got some you got oh, some road mileage.
1: It was seven days a week. Well, there you three go. Or four, three or four shows on Sunday.
0: So you went to school?
1: So, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean the James Brown School of Hard Knocks. I mean and and it was hard knocking for real. You know? Yeah, but it but it was good. It was it was good. It was fun. It was good. We got to see the world. We went all over Europe, Africa. I mean, we went out to all these places that we would never have went to, you know. Uh, now Did I read and, it right?
0: Weren't you afraid of flying at one point?
1: Well, that happened after that happened, like after I went solo, you know, huh. after with George them. you know, and I had this. um experience on a on a flight um actually going over to europe uh-huh. uh this was the first time Bootsy's rubber band yeah. that we went to europe and, and headline you know we're the headliners yeah you know? so we had outgrew the part of parliament funkadelic we were actually headlining shows right at this point in 1978 yeah um and so by that time you know uh Bootsy's rubber band had started doing um uh, they were the headliners of the show so we got to tour England yeah. you know uh, France all those places over there so right. you know we were flying over there and that was a whole expedition in itself you know uh, the yeah. SST you remember that that, uh, that the the Concorde yeah yeah when it first came out right well that was my dream flight you know it was yeah. like whenever we go over there that's what I want to fly on you yeah. know and, sh- and sure enough, you know, manager hooked it up for me and me and the manager. And I think it was one other, my base tech or somebody. We all got on that flight to go to Europe, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, I'm on the SST. And then when I got on it, you know, it was like, man, this thing is awfully small. Yeah. You know, I-, I had no idea it was that <laughs> small inside, you know, uh-huh. actually it reminded me of Jane's jet, you yeah. know, um, When I got in it, it's like, dang, this is, you know, and so we got about 45 minutes into the flight and all of a sudden, you know, I'm sitting by the window, you know, and I like to look out. I like to (laughs) see the ocean, you know, I like to see the clouds.
0: Uh
1: Next thing I know, man, first, first of all, the boom hit where us, you know you go on supersonic sound, sonic speed. Sonic boom, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was cool. The the the, the, the captain came on, no problem. We just hit yeah. the sonic boom. I right. think it was M uh M three or M four or something.
0: Uh-huh. You
1: know, uh, Mark III Mach three, Mach four, four, Mach four. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we hit that. Everything was cool. Flight, you know. Yeah. And and soon as we crossed the line, it, it's about forty five minutes into the flight. Yeah. As uh, soon as we crossed the line, I saw fire jumping out from the, the engines on the, you know, and I'm like, no, this can't be happening. <laughs> you know, I'm at the peak of my career. You know, I'm getting ready to headline yeah. over in Europe. This cannot be happening. And um, and the pilot comes on, you know, the captain, he comes on and said, all right, we we have a problem. You know, he was trying to be cool, but you can hear in his voice. Yeah. That he was unsure, you know, and it's like, you don't want nobody funking with your funk who's unsure. Yeah. And so this bug is so unsure. It's like, oh, man, we, you know, and then then I'm figuring like, OK, I'm trying to figure out, OK, if we land, if we hit the water. Right. OK. And we just we just had been seeing, you know, Jaws was out, you know, <laughs> that was like a big hit back in the day. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we're going to pull through the, the the crash. The crash landing, we're going to make that. Oh, good. But Jaws, yeah. I don't know how we're going to get away from that moment. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I was messed up, man. Yeah. I was messed up. And the, the pilot turned back, back around, and we actually started flying at an angle, like si- kind of sideways. Oh, because, my God. Yeah, because the engine was, was out on this. Actually, three of the engines went out. You got oh, four engines. You what? got four engines. Three of them went out. So we flying, you know, sideways like this all the way back to New York. I Like like I said, we was about 45 minutes out. So we turn around, flying back. And once I got off of that plane, I said, I will never, ever get back on a plane. <laughs> it scared the daylights out of no, me, man. No Honestly. more Europe. <laughs> but, But you know what? Yeah. I lied because, you know, you got, I told them uh, to hit me up with some some ludes, you know, uh, some quaaludes, you know, hit me up, you know, and because uh, yeah. we had to do the tour, you right. know, we had to do the tour. We had like a three week
0: uh, <sighs> tour over there, and you know, you got to figure it's not going to happen twice. If it happens twice, you you know, you well, had a comment. I wasn't going to know about it.
1: I wasn't <laughs> going to know about it. No way. I made sure of that I made sure. Of that. All right, so, so that,
0: well, you got over that then, huh?
1: But once I got back, I actually kicked into no more flying for me, and I, you know, I started doing the bus everywhere, the bus and and the um, and the boats, you know.
0: So you, after you get out from James's band, how do you hook up with George?
1: <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> we got to figure out, you know, like okay, are we really fired? you know, that's the first thing. Okay. We going home, we leaving from James Brown's bed. Right. You got no base. We, we got no base, you know, um, and we had, we had started to get kind of used to getting paid. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, what do we do? Cause me and my brother, we was good at, you know, saving money cause we was used to not having none. Yeah. So, you know, we, we saved a little money and once we got home, you know, it's like, OK, we got to start practicing because we formerly the JB's. So we got to come up with a new new name. Yeah. House, you know, house, guess what's going to be our name? Formerly the JB's. So, you know, we had to put a little uh, not only a band, you know, we had the band. We had to put our act together.
0: So you still at King Records?
1: Uh, actually, no, not not. Um, after we left James Brown, James Brown actually took us from King Records. Oh, OK. You know, you know, once we got with James Brown, it was no more. We was doing no more sessions for King Records. And and that was his plan all along. He was way ahead of us. Uh-huh. And so. um
0: What in terms of, oh, in terms of like, if you left him, you got nowhere to go?
1: Yeah, we got nowhere to go. You know, you ain't going to be nothing. Yeah. You, you can't do nothing about Jay Without James Brown, what you going to do? <laughs> so with, with everybody else, he was pretty much right. You know, uh-huh. uh, but with us, we was just, we felt like we was just getting started. Yeah. You know, they ain't, they ain't even seen us yet. You know, that's yeah. the way we was feeling, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, you know, we got home, we started practicing. Then we started to have to get a a, a plan, you know, to get out of Cincinnati, you know, uh, because we had started playing gigs and stuff around, you know, and building up a following. So we started feeling like, Yeah. Yeah. You know, we bad. We bad. You know, start looking, feeling like Richard Pryor. We bad. Yeah. we bad. You know. Yeah. And, um, and so we decided, um, man, we should, you know, we should maybe go to Detroit, you know. And um, somebody uh, mentioned the, the spinners. And sure enough, they needed a band. Um, you know, so I took we talked to Billy, who was the leader of the spinners at that time. And he said, yeah, man, I'll bring you all up. And I, you know, I need a band, you know, I need y'all to be the band. And we said, well, we got Felipe, uh, Phil Soul Walker with us too. And he was a singer, you yeah. know, who who eventually wound up being their lead singer. Uh, most they, people don't know
0: the spinner. So they would they do rubber band, man?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's Phil Soul Walker who came to Detroit with us, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, who who um, we went with. Uh, Once I met with George Clinton uh, and George didn't need Phil, you know, it was like, no, we got enough singers, man. You know, it's like, okay, so uh, and we were trying to get away from playing behind singers anyway. We didn't really want to go up to to Detroit to play behind the spinners. We were just trying to get in Detroit. Right. So we could show what we can do. And um, once we got there, you know, met George, it was like, oh, man, you know, talk to him. That was like a perfect. You know, fit. I felt like you know he he was gonna be honest with his word. You know, he said if I helped him with the songs and um, get on the road with him and, and be funkadelic, you know, um, you know he'll allow me to to uh, get a record deal and help me, you know, uh, get my own thing together.
0: So, but his, but he, but that was great. But he, but the, his, his concept was almost a communal concept, right? I mean, he had, it was yeah. like an orchestra concept. It wasn't like, I'm the, I'm the front man. It's like, everybody's going to play their part, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's the way it start. It starts. See, what you're doing is mixing up the start with the end. But, you know, it's how you got to that end, you know, which is the deep part. I don't even think George knew that he wanted to be a front front man. Right. He knew he knew that he wanted me to be one because I guess he felt like every time we did a show, even if the spotlight, George will tell you this, even if the spotlight wasn't on me, the people were looking at me. Yeah. And, you know, and it wasn't just because of what I had on. This is George's words. Yeah. You know, it it was the vibe or whatever that vibe was. And uh, George told me that you can't just be a part of the band. You know, you got to front your own band. Yeah. And I'm like, no, nah, I. you know, I'm like, no, nah, man, I. you know, I do not want to front the band. You know, I just want to be in the band. Yeah. And he's like, man, we, we gotta get you a deal, you know, because George knew, like you was just saying, you know, it was a whole universal uh conglomerate of people. Yeah. It
0: right. wasn't
1: just George, you know. Right. So, and he wanted it like that, you know. Uh he didn't want people to know who George Clinton was. You know, uh you have to come in there and figure out, you know, cause all these mugs looking crazy. Yeah. So, you know, and he loved that, you know. That's what I loved about it. You know? Is
0: that where you did? Is that where you just got the star guitar?
1: Uh, that's the that's the chance, The time I got the opportunity to get the star guitar and the star glasses because I had to come up with my own identity. Yeah, uh, is where I felt. That's what I felt. I had in the to do. in the uh, in
0: the Parliament Funkadelic universe, you had to become yeah. your own yeah. god. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And 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 I felt great. You know, it it felt good to be able to do that because, as as we started out with James, it was like bands were you know bands were just bands you know and yeah. you know you, you wasn't you wasn't like you know, first class citizens you was like you know the bottom of the totem pole especially bass players you know so you know it was time time it came where things were changing bands were changing. Bases were being um, noticed, yeah, and coming up to the front. I mean, I didn't notice at the time, you know. I didn't know that during my time was when bases was gonna start coming to the front, and I didn't know I was gonna be a big part of that. Well,
0: you I mean, know, did, what, uh, your your sound was changing. I mean, when how, when did the you evolve into that space based business?
1: When I when I got a chance to start recording with uh, Parliament Funkadelic. That's when I got it. George allowed me the chance to experiment. Right. And, you know, I was free. I was free to do whatever I was hearing. Right. You know, Um, and that's what sound and playing with James. I just got a chance to play what I felt. But with George, I got a chance to play what I felt and play the sounds that I was hearing, you know, and experiment with things, you know, And um, George allowed me to get on the drums. I mean, James would never allow me to do that. Yeah. You know? So, you know, and then I played guitar um, uh, with my brother, Catfish. We would put tracks together, me and my brother, you know, on guitar, you know? And George, you know, he was loving. I mean, you know, he was so behind all of that.
0: It also speaks to the time. You know, James was never going to make that jump, but George was a psychedelic dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. and. Um, you know, he wanted whatever you had to bring to the party. George wanted some of it. You know, <laughs> it's like, give it here. Give it here, I'll take it. You know, and it's like, it's like, um, you know, and that was very encouraging at the time because people were so, you know, like locked in on themselves, you know, and coming into your own, getting your own identity, you know, um, and which was a good thing because uh, George even did the song "I Got a Thing, You Got a Thing, yeah. Everybody Got a Thing." Yeah, you know, so it was like it was like we were making that true. It was a true thing, you know. Yeah, it was right. like you know, and it was beautiful, you know. Free your mind, and your ass will follow. All of this stuff was like you know, we live in it. Yeah, you know, we living in <laughs> it. You know, and yeah. it's like so it was so beautiful to be able to make your own world within the world. You know, and um, I got a chance to to go back and and do my star glasses, draw my star glasses, yeah, and not only draw them, not only draw my star base, but actually find somebody to make them. Yeah. You know, so it was all a process. You know, it wasn't like, bam, here it is.
0: The evolution.
1: Yeah, and it was like when I was doing the record, uh, stretching out. You know, I didn't even have the base ready yet you know um, yeah and so I had found the guy to make it and if you notice on that record if you look hard on that record uh stretching out you'll look at the base and you can see that it ain't finished you know it has <laughs> you know we, we put some fake uh knobs on it yeah uh, fake uh pick guard because all we had was a star shaped out yeah you know the base was all shaped out and everything. But it wasn't playable. Um, but it looks like you know. It looks like oh yeah. And um, then I'm still trying to figure out how I'm gonna pay for it right. because I'm working with George Clinton, you know. And it's like a whole empire <laughs> yeah. of mugs that uh, you know, we work for drugs. Yeah. You know, we don't have to. You know, we don't need to be paid. Just we just you know whatever you got, this hit us, hit us. You know. What was your drug? So, what would you um, like? Oh well, at the time it was LSD. Yeah, you know. So that's where LSD you come up with the a, bass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the king. That was the king. That was the king's dream, right there, the LSD. So, you know, so you
0: think that that's that's interesting. So you think that you know the way you were hearing what you sound, what you wanted your bass to sound like, was probably influenced by that, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was influenced by that, and everything else we was taking
0: because <laughs> it oh, it sounds like that man that some of that bass yeah, that sounds like LSD underwater
1: boogie baby <laughs> underwater boogie, <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: man. I mean, you know, we had so much fun. It was so much fun uh, at that particular time when. You know, we got the chance to go in the studio and record whatever we felt, you know, and yeah. whatever whatever it was and didn't have somebody cool like George loving every minute of it.
0: So he was totally yeah, supportive, pushing you.
1: George was good at, um, well, he was very creative with the, with the lyrics and and all of that. And he was very good with, knowing what people was at and knowing how to push certain buttons yeah and and all of that you know which James was good at it too he was great at it but he would never let you know that you know he's digging anything you know it, George yeah, cause it was because
0: you know. it was all about it was all about James and what what, about what him and he had yeah and and he wanted to control the sound whereas it seems like George was sort of like let's get weirder yeah you know let's push the envelope right
1: let's see what what else can you come up with it's more of a jazz thinker yeah yeah exactly the the sun ra
0: yeah right
1: sunrise uh, right fun, so but know. did
0: you know like you know ultimately now you have this amazing control over the instrument and you actually invented you know uh, certain sounds uh, yeah. of, of that the bass can make that were never made before and then that stuff yeah. gets carried on you know it gets carried on through through flea and through uh yeah. uh yeah. thunder uh what's his name
1: thunder cat I mean, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. like, like you, you are the, you are the portal through which those guys were able to create themselves. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it was like somebody got to be first. You know, it's like, it's like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, take take for instance, take yeah. for instance the Larry Graham. You know, he he to me actually started the 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 thump and the pluck okay. thing, and and a few other people would say no, he wasn't the first one. That, right, that. right. But I would have to say, you know, because I, I was kind of firsthand right there, you yeah. know, uh, I would have to say he was the first one, you know? Um, and it. so, yeah, yeah. And, and so now, you know, bass players have taken that, you know, they've taken the sound, you know, the sounds that I yeah. kind of come up with. Right. They've taken the uh, thump and pluck thing and, they're making it their own you know yeah, they call yeah. it their own, which which i think is 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 cool because they are taking it to other levels you know uh we just introduced it
0: yeah well i love that like you know i remember that like i like that i love that keith Richards solo album and when you come in on that like <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's like it's like Keith was like, I want bootsy, and then it's like, that's all bootsy. Boom!
1: <laughs> yeah, you did not disappoint. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when when you get the you get the the, the green light to go ahead and do your thing,
0: yeah. you know,
1: that's like the same thing I got with with George. You know, it's right. like the green light and, and go ahead and do whatever you think and whatever you feeling. That's what I try to give to all musicians, yeah. you know, or creative people. You know, don't let don't don't let me influence how you are feeling. Do what you are feeling. You know, I even had to tell Bobby Womack that. You know, um, because once you get caught into eras, you know, of uh, okay, well, they do it like this now. Uh You know, once you get into caught into that, sometimes you forget who you are. You know, Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. what you're good at and what people liked you for. So. You know, we were doing this song together, and Bobby was trying to be new, right? You know, and I was like, "No, Bobby," <laughs> you know, <laughs> g- "give me, the, give me, give me Bobby Walt, Mag, man." You know, yeah,
0: yeah, that
1: one that people love.
0: Well, that's like you know, no, you yeah, know, I think that's what working with someone like George for so long gives you is a certain confidence. Whereas a lot of guys, they get to a certain age or a certain place, they get insecure and they don't think yeah. they can cut it anymore.
1: Yeah, well. You know, I, I you know, it's like I run into that a lot working with a, a lot of different people, and you know, it's like it's my it's my duty to make sure that a musician knows it's cool. Go ahead and try it. You know, give it a give it a shot. You know
0: go go for it well that's what's great about the the new record and like all the records that you've made you know just the Bootsy records they're all a little different and uh, some of them are more of you some of them are a little less of you but it's so clear yeah. that on this one the power of the one is that all the dudes you you got on this record the, even the people that you know we all know from other things like Snoop or, or George Benson they know you yeah. from you so you guys are meeting in the middle of both of what you both do like, you know, yeah. that, like yeah. that first tune with Benson, it's like it's all Benson and it's all you at the same time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that was that was the idea, you know, um, you know, because we always would bump into each other on festivals, on these tour gigs. Yeah. And we would always talk about doing something together. Yeah. But we never did. You know? Yeah, we never did. I was always stuck in my thing, what I was doing. He was always stuck in his thing, what he was doing. And, you know, the same thing with uh, the other uh, mu- musicians, you know. Well, like, that guy,
0: that dude, Kingfish Ingram, man, that guy's like, oh, a, oh, oh, man, he's a he's monster on that it. guitar.
1: He's ripping it. Yes, he is. And, uh, you know, we, we met a couple of years ago. Uh, same thing with Taz. We met we met probably about four years ago because he was like maybe 14, 15. He's like 17 now. <laughs>
0: and, yeah.
1: And, you know, it was like, you know, like last year I went to one of his gigs. And that cemented it for me. Is like, yeah, he got to be on the new record.
0: Yeah, and you, you got know, Brantford um, Marsalis. I mean, you got you yeah. know, you can you can move through all forms, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that to me is the beauty of music. Music does that to be able to 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 fuse different genres of music together was like a whole big deal for me because. I, I look at it like, I look at this music like wearing clothes. It's like I can pretty much do it and they're going to call me crazy and, you know, or whatever they want to call me, it don't matter. Um, and I can get away with it. So I figured if I can do that with clothes, I can, should be able to do it with, me,
0: with me. <laughs> Music, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and And so, you know, call me whatever, you know, crazy, (laughs) whatever, you know, but I know that music, you know, can be put together. I mean, you know, it's not something that's, you know, so traditional that it can't be traditional, you know, unconditional. Right. You know, so, so it's like, you know, it's like, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to experiment. I want to mix stuff up. I want to mess with things. I don't want to, do what's been done so much. You know, I want to do some, some crazy stuff. Yeah. you know, uh, Keep it I've exciting. Wanted, yeah. I always wanted to challenge myself. If I, you know, if I wanted to do a Bootsy rubber band uh, record, I could do that. If I wanted to do a P funk record, a, a Funkadelic, I could do that. But I want to do some, something that's new to me, you know? So you're working with all and, these
0: different people
1: yeah yeah and it and it and it gives you another kind of inspiration. I think when Jimmy said something about um, you know playing those same songs and not being able to uh do new stuff because the fans are not gonna like it or they're not gonna accept it. uh I remember him saying that, and then I found myself in that situation where you know, you had to keep playing the same old song.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, it's like, I don't care about that stuff now. It's, it's more about the music to me. Well, yeah. Man, it's, more about, it's more about expressing, you know, people expressing and releasing themselves right. creatively right. in any form or fashion they want. Right. Yeah, and I want to, you know, I want to make sure that that door is wide open so people can see that, I'm not, the, you know, I'm not the only one that can do this. I mean, anybody can do this. You know, we just have to, somebody just got to get up on the floor and dance first.
0: Yeah. You just got to make the space, make yeah. the space. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's yeah. a great record. And, you know, you seem great. It was great talking to you. Great seeing you. Oh, man, man. man. This is, this this is, all, you asked
1: some deep questions too, man. Is got remind you.
0: Well, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) And is the power of the one, is that a tip to uh, the one and God Uh, or what?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's both. It's like, and we got all of it in us, you know, the Mm. power of the one is in all of us. The whole thing is we just ain't hip. Mm. Nobody told us. And when they told us, they were preaching at us. Right. You know, they, were, they, were, right. they were talking at us. Right. You know. They want a little you know, something,
0: something too. Oh hey. yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> Past the plate. You know. <laughs> yeah.
0: It,
1: you know, f- f- for me, it's just, you know, I want you to know everybody's a piece of this one. You know, uh, we're all we're on this one planet. You know, we're all on this mothership spinning through space, mm. you know, and You know, it's ridiculous to think that I'm better than you or you better than me. Because when this world goes, you know, we all go on, you know, (laughs) because we all on this one. (laughs) It's it's the one ship. Yeah. You know, we all go together. So, you know, anything else is stupid. I mean, really stupid, you know. So that's what this power of the one is trying to uh, show us. It's like, you know just respect your father, you know, respect my father. I respect yours, you know? Um, and that's really, you know, I mean, they're talking about religious size, the black sides, the white size, the green, you know, it, it really, it really ain't about all of that. It's that's just true. us realizing and respecting each other what we all think and feel. It's cool. right? You know, I came, I came from that, from that hippie era, And I got a chance to taste a lot of different cultures and vibes and, you know, and that's what I have to bring to the table. And I'm going to continue to bring that to the table because that's what the one has given me. And I want to give it back.
0: Yeah, it's the uh, it's the uh, the universal frequency, the deep groove. That's
1: that's what that, that now you're talking.
0: <laughs>
1: Zappa will tell you about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, man.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much.
0: Great seeing you, man. Take care of yourself, buddy.
1: Hey, you too, man. Appreciate you.
0: How do you like that? Fucking Bootsy, how about that James Brown impression, right? The album is called "The Power of the One." You can get it where you get albums. Get all the fucking Get all the get all the Bootsy shit. He's a fucking guy. He's the real deal. He's the one of a kind. He's one of a kind, man. Okay, so now I guess I will attempt uh, to play some funk. I think I have to, right? I think I got to do some blues funk thing with the three chords that i play on a stratocaster with a phase pedal let's give it a try don't judge me on my rhythm you can judge me on my groove but not on my rhythm here we go Monkey and the Fonda cat angels everywhere. They also have 24-7 customer support, so there will always be someone there to help, and you'll never need to do a software update. Bah. And you'll never have to do a... Sp- they also have 24-7 customer support, so there will always fucking cunt fuck cock dick they also have 24 7 customer support so there were always there were always what the fuck is wrong with my mouth so there will always be so there will always be someone there to help and you'll never need to do a software update